Why should the killing of Ahmad Aubrey matter to Christians? And how can the Bible help us navigate something that becomes so immediately polarizing in our society? This is David Rhymes, and you're listening to episode 10 of Footnotable. Joining me, as always, is Orrin Connor, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church in beautiful downtown Baton Rouge. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes, and give us a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to Footnotable. I got to tell you, Orrin, I don't have any interesting chit-chat for our intro today. Nothing that I'm aware of has happened in the news that is lighthearted or just plain fun for us to sit here and and banter about. Uh, Because quite frankly, I have not paid attention to any news (laughs) for the last week. (laughs) You, You don't have anything to talk about because you haven't been listening. I've not been listening. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to other stuff. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts sure. and reading a lot of articles all related to this whole transition period with, with COVID-19 as it relates to, to a church. And so I, I have um, done that in lieu of actually keeping up with the latest information. So really, I guess the latest thing that I looked at was what we talked about last week. And that was the passing of Jerry Stiller. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever's happened since then, I've got no clue. How about you? What's going on? Enlighten me. I am. Well, for, first of all, let me say this. I, I know we keep talking about how we're living in unprecedented times and this is a unprecedented event and no one's ever been through this before. And which is very much true. Even our the oldest citizens of this country who remember, say, World War II and and these big massive events in the world, it, it didn't grip the world quite like this. I've never seen something like this virus consume everything: social media, television, internet. Like regardless of what it is, every time you log in or turn on a device, it's something about this virus, and it's going to continue to be that way for such a long time. And so sometimes we feel like that's the only news that's out there. That's the only thing people are really talking about. And so they're not bringing up the lighthearted things. They're not talking about more, um, more, more, more silly things or things that we can laugh about. It's all about COVID-19. And so we have to be very intentional about finding some things to, to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. So just for my own, my own family, my son, Alex is graduating. So we're working on that. He's going to take his uh, senior pictures tomorrow, and he's having to work with his mother on fashion choices, which has been interesting to watch. Um, he asked me my opinion, and I really couldn't care less, but it matters a lot to his mother. And so they're working that out tomorrow. They have a photography session where they get his pictures taken. So we're working on that, trying to get him graduated and off to college in the fall. Um, the other two kids who are in school um, finished up their schoolwork, and so now they're in summer mode, which has been interesting. We set a bedtime um, and they're like, what? It's summer. We shouldn't have to go to bed anytime. We can go. We can stay up all night if we want to. And I said, well, you could, but you're a miserable wretch the next day. And so we're going to have a bedtime for the next few weeks at least until you can get into a good rhythm. So that's kind of what's happening around our house. 
Um, yeah, we had the same conversation with our girls. They're like, we're going to stay up late and sleep in. And we're like, oh, no, you're not. That's right. It's like, do you understand what you do to your mother and I mm-hmm. when you stay up late and, and sleep late? Yeah. It is miserable. It is. We love you, but oh my word, we want to to just go and get a hotel room, you know, for the next 24 <laughs> hours just to have some space and we can get us some sleep because the, the grouchies and grumpies, they mm-hmm. kick off in full force. Why? Because they're tired because they stayed up late and they overslept and they don't feel good. And now they're being with each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like you are having a bedtime. You can sleep later. But you but can't you sleep bed, right? right. Yeah. Right. So that's exactly yeah, right. I that's where we are. The Connor adventures continue. Y'all have had a quite an adventurous past year. Sure. Yeah, Lots of have. things going on in the Connor household. Yes, we have a lot of a lot of big things uh, from Nick's adoption last May to um, to all the stuff that's happened since then. It's been uh, it's been quite a year, but God's been good, so we are certainly thankful. And even through this quarantine, lockdown, coronavirus season of life. God's been really good. So we're certainly thankful for that. Or let's turn our attention now to a subject that is in the news, has been in the news for uh, several weeks. And it's a bit of a heavy subject, but because it is uh, relevant in our society and it's relevant to us as believers, we're going to take some time to talk about it. And before I reveal uh, all that it is, um, we just want to let our listeners know that, you know, we're going to walk through this conversation with as much care as we can possibly muster right now. I just sitting here in front of microphones talking on this. Uh, We are not going to get every comment exactly right. The the nuance of what we're going to say isn't going to be super polished. We're not reading from a script. Uh, we are talking back and forth on this. Uh, so we just want to say that up front, while we do want to have a good conversation about it, don't pick it apart with every little uh, thing that we didn't quite say to your satisfaction, okay? Uh, we are trying to be very sensitive uh, but we're also trying to address some serious issues along the way. And that serious issue uh, is the killing of Ahmad Arbery mm-hmm. that happened back on February 23rd. And a lot of the debate that it has sparked in our nation. So, Orrin, when did you first see this story break? Uh, well, let me just give this disclaimer as well, that... What we're talking about, you and I are discussing, and what we share and what we say, even our opinions about the situation, do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the rest of our church family and the other people that uh, that we have the, the the privilege of associating with and fellowshipping with in Covenant at First Baptist. So I just want to make sure that's clear. I'm not speaking for the, all for the people of First Baptist Church. I'm speaking for myself. So as, as Dave and I go back and forth on this, just the, the discussing as much as we know. Um, I remember hearing about this uh, really a couple of weeks ago, I guess whenever the video was released. Um, I knew nothing about it before, as I think most people didn't know anything about it, particularly because we've been in this quarantine lockdown period that's been dominating the news. But when the video was released of Arbery's uh, murder, death, killing, whatever you want to call it, um, that's when it came to my attention. And um, 
to my discredit, I, I didn't dive in immediately to find out all the information. Um, because this has happened a number of times, um, I sort of will, will kind of whistled by it, if, if I'm being honest. That was insensitive and uncompassionate of me. I should have sought out the correct information about what was going on. But I knew that there was going to be a lot of information at the beginning that would likely either be changed or redacted or whatever you may, may call it later. So I was going to wait a little while until more clear details were released. So I would say for the last two or three weeks, um, it's it's been sort of uh, more on my mind. Um, and even last week, you mentioned wanting to discuss this in last week's episode. And I told you I really had not read up on enough to be able to speak to it with any kind of, of certainty. And so uh, this is something I have read up on a little bit more recently. Um, and even though it's, it's still an uncomfortable subject, it's something I think we need to address as Christians because there is a pattern of, um, of, of these types of, of events in our, in our nation uh, really throughout history. But even in the last five, 10 years, we've seen a number of these types of things happening. And it's an important conversation that we need to have. Well, let's, let's talk about what we can state as fact. We, we don't want to get into opinions and speculation. We want to go ahead and start with fact. And the facts that we have in front of us was that on February 23rd of this year, 2020, uh, Ahmad was uh, apparently jogging in a neighborhood. He was seen by some gentlemen uh, while he was out. They believed him to be at least matching the description of someone that had been seen previously in that neighborhood uh, committing some crimes some break-ins and things like that. And they gathered up some others. They gathered up their, their weapons. They went to what they say was to do a, a citizen's arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set up their trucks kind of in an area where he would be running by to confront him. And as the video shows, um, it was at that point that Aubrey was, uh, excuse me, Ahmad was confronted by them. Shots were fired. Uh, he tried to wrestle uh, the rifle away from one of them uh, before finally being fatally shot mm. um, there in the street. We also know that no arrests were made for over two months. Mm-hmm. And that when the video was released and this kind of went viral and became public, that's when arrests began to be made. And the outcry that is kind of primary to this is the gap between his murder back in February and the two plus months that passed before his killers were arrested um, because of the release of the video. And so this is the situation, and and I hope I've I've accurately Mm -hmm. given the facts that we know. Uh, And this is why this has become a real hot-button issue, is you have a young black man in a predominantly Caucasian neighborhood. Uh, You have what appears to be a vigilante-style killing. Uh, that's what some people, that's the kind of the word some people are choosing to use. You have the the gap in time. You have what seems to be uh, some favors based on relationships between uh, the two primary uh, suspects and those in the judicial system. Mm-hmm. And all of that thrown together 
has just kind of been a recipe for a lot of heated debate. Mm-hmm. And so we're sort of stepping in just from our perspective and to try to speak to this as believers, as, as pastors, and talk about why does it matter? Is this something that we can just turn off mm. uh, and go, oh, goodness, another one of these high-profile so-called race killings. Let me just skip past this and move on. Should we pay attention to this? Should we care about it? And how do we respond? And how does Scripture help us respond? Because we don't want to simply respond in our own wisdom. We want to respond in the wisdom that Scripture provides for us. Amen. Yeah. It's um, it's troubling because the information was updated. And so you you mentioned that no arrests were made for two months after after the the young man's death on February 23rd, which is when he was killed. And there's no debate as to whether or not this father and son, the McMichaels, one of them killed Ahmed Arbery. That that's not a debate. We know that he fired a shot and they and they and they killed him. What's up for debate and what is being discussed and argued about and fought over is whether or not they were doing it lawfully, legally, in self-defense or sustain your ground laws, if, if, if you will, or if it was done with, with ill intent, with murderous intent, if you will. And so so that's been the the discussion. And 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 because this is such a charged um issue in our culture, because this is not the first time this has happened. It's happened a lot recently where in particular, a, a black man is killed by a white man, either it's an officer or a citizen. It, it, it brings all this emotion and all this feeling up to the surface and how it's reported and what is said creates this firestorm in the media. And what's interesting to me is what you said a minute ago, that we look at it, we read it, and we kind of, like I said earlier, we whistle past it. When I realized what I was doing, I was convicted because we shouldn't whistle past these things. We shouldn't pretend like, okay, that, that's just another example. But it's not happening all the time, so I just need, need not pay attention to it. That's a problem in my own heart and the hearts of those who sort of ignore these types of things because it really does matter. As you said, it matters to God. It matters. It should matter to Christians for sure. When human beings are being killed, and what's the the information? What's the, what are the facts in this case, so that we can make a proper assessment? We live in an age where jumping to conclusions is almost has almost become acceptable in a way. Like you just make your assessment, you make you make your conclusion before you have all the information, and if you get something wrong, you just apologize for it and change it later. And so, being accurate at the beginning. It seemed like it's it's kind of a thing of 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 the past. We want to be first on the scene. We want to be first with an opinion or information, and so there was a lot of bad information that came out originally. But now we know that that either Gregory or Travis McMichael shot Ahmed Arbery and killed him. And so now what happens? Well, some people rallied to Arbery's family's side and say he was he was unlawfully killed. Some people are rallying to the McMichael side, saying they were just defending themselves, defending their home. And I don't know how this is going to work. It's going to go to trial this summer, but there is a matter of justice that needs to be dealt with here. And we can't just assume that the McMichaels are lying or that Arbery was was some thief and thug that deserved to be arrested and even shot if he was committing crimes in a neighborhood. We can't make those assumptions because we don't have all the information. And maybe this is why I, I drug my feet a little bit in, in 
and reading about it and studying it simply because I, I knew all the best information was going to come later. And so for me personally, and I, I think for most Christians, I think we all agree, this is serious. When people are shot and killed, it's always serious. I mean, I preached on murder a few weeks ago in our Ten Commandments series, and it defiles God's image in people, in human beings, when they take a life. And there are some times when that has to happen. There are some times in true self-defense or in things like war where taking a life is going to be part of the process. But we shouldn't go out looking to kill people because we're threatened by them or because we want some sort of vengeance. Um, we are not meant to be vigilantes. God gives us authorities to cover those things. And so what, what's disturbing to me is because the, the father, the, the Michael father, I think it's Gregory, Travis is the son, I believe, because he was a law enforcement officer, but he was he was no longer a law enforcement officer. I think he was retired. He felt like he had the authority to go make a citizen's arrest. And they didn't call 911 because they felt threatened. They didn't seek to take any sort of legal measures that are proper. They just sent to, they sent to take justice into their own hands. And that's where the whole thing kind of went south. Um, and, and that's what's concerning to me is when people feel like they have the right to be the sort of arbiters of justice and they load up their guns and they go out in their truck or their car and they go looking to get revenge or to make a citizen's arrest, things never go well. They just don't because we don't have the emotional, emotional capacity to deal with a situation like that. Um, and this is why God gives us authorities that are have the legal right to intervene in situations like this. And, and so once this video is released, then everybody gets a hold of it, and that's where the pressure comes. Um, and the, the question is, and maybe you have some, some thoughts on this as well, Dave, but it's interesting that no arrests were made for two months, and then once the story broke and it got all over the media, now they go and make arrests because there's, it's bad publicity for the, the, the local police department and for, even for the state of Georgia. Now the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is involved in this whole thing, even investigating the man who shot the video. And I saw a video of him earlier being interviewed, and this man is getting death threats because he released the video. He leaked the video. And this, this is where we are as a society. It's so heated. It's so divided that it's hard to see straight. It's hard to see clearly because there's so much emotion and opinion involved in these situations. That saddens our hearts. And we should, as Christians, um, tread lightly um, and, and slowly through matters like this so we can get all the proper information before we make an assessment. Getting the right information is crucial. We've, we've said this time and time again, that as Christians, we ought to be lovers of truth. We have a monopoly on the truth. And I say that often in situations like this because it's true. If we don't have a monopoly on the truth, then I'm not sure, even sure why we continue on in this faith because Christianity is is based on a series of historical events about historical characters that are easily um, falsifiable. You know, if you want to just throw Christianity out the window, well, then just go and prove these things did not actually occur. And the fact of the matter is, history uh, is quite kind and gracious to Christianity in the events of the Bible. And so we know we have truth. Christ is truth. So we should always love truth. We should never ever get in a situation where we are being tempted to judge between the truth 
of Christ, the truth of his scripture, and our feelings about a certain issue. Truth has to trump those feelings. We should not let feelings be the thing that drives us. And this is a situation where there's a lot of feelings involved. And I get that. There's going to be feelings. But at the end of the day, we're not called as Christians to act on our feelings. We're called as Christians to uphold the truth and act according to God's law. And so that is what needs to ultimately drive us. So we we do need to get the facts in these situations. And when the facts are muddy, let's not call something that's that's not clear a fact when we just really aren't maybe sure because of the way it's being handled by the media, because of the way it's being batted about uh, on the internet and things like that. Um, sometimes we do kind of have to wait for something like a, uh, a court date where this is going before a judge, before actual facts are separated from just the, the swirling cloud of opinions and misinformation that's out there. But regardless, when you have a human life being taken, it should matter to us as believers because we are to care about all human life. If we're going to be pro-life, and I know many of those that listen to us are pro-life, they would very much firmly fall into that camp. They would be champions of the pro-life cause. Uh, they would love to see abortion you know, removed uh, as a legal practice in this nation. But pro-life, as we've talked about before, can't just stop at abortion. It has to expand to all life and seeing all life as valuable, all life being created in the image of God. And we should never be callous and distant when someone's life is taken in this way. Ahmad Aubrey was a image bearer of God who was not fighting a war. It's yet to be seen. We'll let the courts decide on the, the self-defense thing. But there are many who right now hold that this was not a self-defense issue, uh, that this was a vigilante act that got out of hand. And if that's the case, then this is all sort of wrong. And so we should care when someone like this uh, has their life prematurely snuffed out by someone who has no right to take that life. It should care also in, in terms of justice. We should love justice. We should want justice done for everyone. We're really quick to want justice done for us personally. We want things to be fair, things to be equal. But what about others? Uh, do we have laws that are fair to protect those um, in other cases? Do we have a system that is going to act in integrity? When those things break down, do we just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, well, that's just the way it is? Or should it bother us when there is uh, an upended case of justice uh, in our community, in our nation? I think the answer for us as believers is we should care about it because God cares about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, we we want... Our, our authorities, our, our judicial system, those that are responsible for apprehending criminals and bringing them to justice, we want that to be a fair 
and honorable process. Like we all want that. And it's, it becomes dangerous when we assume that responsibility for ourselves. It doesn't mean that we can't, there are certain instances where we probably should, but is this one of those cases? And if there is an injustice on either side, if the, if the McMichaels are being wrongly tried and accused or accused and tried, or if, if Arbery was wrongly killed, we want to know that. We want the evidence to be presented so that we can know the truth. But as those who understand that all human beings bear the image of God, we have to care about all the parties involved. We have to care about Arbery's family that were left behind after his death. We have to care about the McMichaels and, and the, the wives of these two men and their children and grandchildren. There's other people that are attached to this situation. And so often, because we're filled with emotion and strong opinions, we can become very callous and, and ignore the other people that are suffering from this, this event, this unfortunate event. I don't know their hearts. I don't know what the McMichaels had planned. I, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt to think that they didn't go out looking to kill someone, but the situation went south. I don't want to assume that Ar Arbery, as he's being accused, was some kind of thug that was robbing vehicles. In fact, from, from what I read, there had only been one 911 call of about a break-in at one of the McMichael's truck, and that was back in January. So did they have sufficient evidence to go after this young man to make a proper citizen's arrest? Arbery sees the gun pointed at him. He goes to wrestle the gun away from the man. He's defending himself. McMichael shoots him. He's defending himself. So th this thing is all tied up with a lot of different things. What we want as Christians is for the image of God to be respected in people and give them the proper justice. I don't want to make any assumptions. I don't want to say Arbery was this or the McMichaels are that. I'm not going to assume that Arbery was a was a was a thief and a criminal, and I'm not going to assume that 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 the McMichaels are racists because I don't know that. I don't know their hearts, and it's wrong for us to take a stand and go, "Oh, those guys are just racists," or that Arbery kid was just a criminal and a thug. That that neither one of those things may be true. This very well could be just simply a misunderstanding that went really badly. Now it may come out that it's not, but as Christians, we have to be very careful. Because we're dealing with image bearers and sensitive situations that involve a lot of people, we have to be very careful to love all those that are involved, to not allow ourselves to be filled with contempt and hate for one person or the other. Yes, the media is supercharged. It's a, it's a tinderbox, and all we need is a spark. And sometimes events like this are the sparks that we need to set everybody ablaze with opinions and all these talking heads telling us what they think. As Christians, we take a step back. We evaluate the situation and we make a loving, compassionate, and even strong response when we see things. I am not ready to condemn anyone in this situation. But if wrongdoing has is, is, is proven, then we can certainly condemn the actions of those who did wrong, regardless of who that person may be found out. So so I I, I used to live that way. I, I, there was a time where I would just jump to an, to an assumption, to an opinion without all the information. But as those who bear the image of God, dealing with others who bear the image of God, we have a responsibility to love one another. And, and Dave, you know this as well as I do, that not everywhere in the world do you get justice. In fact, sometimes justice doesn't actually happen the way it's supposed to. But fortunately, I think in our country, there's the best possible chance for justice to be served. We take comfort as Christians, though, in that God will get his justice one day. 
So whoever's guilty in this case or in all the other cases that we've seen throughout the history of the world, every case of injustice is going to be resolved by God himself. He cares about his image in his creation. And so when his creation is mistreated and abused and wrongly accused, he's going to have his justice for that. And so we do take comfort that even though on this side of heaven, we may not see that justice fully revealed or fully manifested, we know that God will see it through to the very end. He will mete out his justice according to his standard of holiness, not based on ours. And so we do take comfort in that. And I just, I just want to say that I do feel awful for Arbery's family. Whether this young man's guilty of some crime or not, I feel terrible for his mother and his friends who were left behind. I feel bad for the McMichaels and their wives and their children and grandchildren who were left behind. I feel terrible for them. If, if these men are, are convicted, they, they go to jail for the rest of their lives. Well, that, that leaves behind a whole family of people that were depending on them. This is a bad situation. Even though justice may be served in the end, it's still a very bad situation because there are other image bearers of God who need help, who need to be loved and cared for in this situation, who were not involved in this crime, this process, whatever it may be. And so that's where our hearts need to be turned. We need to be sensitive to this but and not easily uh, or, or ignorant or gullible in the situations just to believe whatever we hear from whatever source we choose to trust. So th this is our challenge, and it's it's disheartening to hear Christian people speaking with contempt, making assumptions before they have all the information. That's what's most disheartening for me. I expect the world to live that way. I don't expect Christians within the church to live that way. We need to have the, the right approach to justice and not make assumptions because it's the narrative that we have already formed in our minds and what we're being told. Um, and, and it needs to be a, a more careful procedure for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And that's why this is such an important topic. When these things happen, and when we don't look for these opportunities as Christians, but when they arise, when they capture the public conversation, this is an opportunity for us as believers to speak truth into the void, which is swirling with so much venom and vitriol and misinformation and it's so emotionally charged and accusations are flying and there's nothing really good or honorable about a lot of that conversation. We ought to be the ones that when we speak in the public square, so to speak, on these issues, our speech should be so fundamentally different and helpful and edifying and saturate it with truth and compassion that we are recognized as a voice of reason in these times that people, they know that when this, when the stuff hits the fan and the Christians have a, have a, a word to say about it, it's a word based on firm belief, firm conviction, but it is compassionate. It is reasonable and they're not losing their minds over it. That should really be a hallmark of how we speak into these situations when they come up, because there is a narrative, like you said, that's happening. And it's not from a biblical perspective. It's from a very worldly, very broken, sinful perspective. 
and people are being driven by what's in their hearts to speak in this way and to make accusations and to to throw out the insults and all the anger and all that comes with this, we should be speaking in such a way that brings glory to God and points people to Christ, because this is exactly why Jesus suffered. He suffered because of all the brokenness that led to these actions taking place. People need an ultimate response for this. They need an ultimate solution. Why does this keep happening? How long is it going to go on? And our society, they think they have an answer to that. And largely that answer is, well, we just need to change our minds. We need to be woke. That's the big expression these days. We need to be woke and we need to change our minds and our mentality about these subjects. And if you are on this side of the issue, you need to make these adjustments. And if you're on this side of the issue, you need to make these adjustments. And if we all do that, if we're all woke, then we will somehow naturally progress out of this. We'll evolve beyond the things that lead to these types of heinous acts. That's garbage. That is not the solution that's going to change this. The solution is Christ. And so when we jump into that conversation in the same way that the world is handling it, we're not exalting Christ. We're adding to the problem. And so we need to be able to speak wisely about this in a way that does point to Christ, that does help see that if you want to see these things stopped, if you want to see these these men, these women, not lose their lives in these ways. If you want to see those that are on the other side of the gun not be separated from their families, then what they need is not a change in mentality. What they need is a change in their hearts. And that starts with Christ, his good news, that he can, in fact, change us fundamentally, from the inside out. And then in that, in that transformation, we become, a, we become able to see each other rightly as image bearers. And we don't act as impulsively as perhaps we once would have. And little by little, Christ changes us. And so this is extremely important. This is not just a, a petty conversation where we can take sides this ought to be a platform that when these things happen, and, and Lord, we, we hope that we don't have to continue talking about this, but we know we are, that we can speak rightly, calmly, compassionately, truthfully, all the while pointing people to Christ, the better solution to what is at the heart of these issues. Yeah. Why do these things happen? Well, it's because... Because people are sinners and our hearts are are broken. We are deceitful. Uh, as we've walked through the Ten Commandments as a church, we've looked at the fact that murder is an action that begins in the heart. Adultery is an action that begins in the heart. Theft, stealing is an action that begins in the heart. Bearing false witness is an action that begins in the heart. And so whether it's, it's the, the people doing the killing or the people judging the killers, 
our hearts are wicked if not transformed by the power of the Spirit and the Word of God, molding us, shaping us to see and understand the value of life in the eye of God. We can all say we value life, but but the, the, the creator of life is the one who truly defines the value of human life. And so as followers of Christ, we have to see first, whose heart, as our hearts have been transformed, we have to live as people who, who reveal that transformation and also pray for that transformation to be, to, to be taking place in the lives of those who do not know Jesus. What I think is, is most damaging to the Christian testimony is when we begin to use words and language in judgment and in condemnation instead of compassion and mercy. It doesn't mean that we cannot con- con- condemn evil. We should publicly condemn evil when we see it, but we should also commend the good when we see it as well. And I, I thought about that verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When Peter writes, when he was reviled, talking about Jesus, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And Jesus, at his death, was wrongfully killed, meaning he was not guilty of the crimes he was killed for. But he went to the cross willingly, laying his life down for murderers and liars and thieves like you and me, so that our hearts could be changed and transformed to value human life the way that he does, so that we could in some ways lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters and our neighbors, maybe not dying on a cross, probably not ever dying on a cross, but certainly laying our lives down by putting our opinions aside and our desires aside in order to serve others. Because we know that God is the one who judges justly. Jesus knew that God the Father would judge his life in a just way, and we should also know that he's going to judge ours in the same way. All lives are going to be judged by God's just standard. And so what that should do is balance us in the gospel to know that there is justice in the world. Some of it is our responsibility. All of it will be God's one day. Not all of the problems can be fixed. Sharing Christ with the McMichael, sharing Christ with the Arbery family is not going to bring Ahmed back. It's just not. But by them knowing Jesus, there's hope for them going forward. There's hope. If these two men go to prison, they can have hope for the rest of their eternity by trusting in Christ. That's what we should be praying for. That's what we should want is repentance and, and forgiveness in these situations. And it's very hard to see because it's so deep and it's painful and it draws out all these, these emotions. But, but Christians should not be revilers. Christians should not be the ones who threaten. We should be those who love And it's hard sometimes because our emotion, our anger, our frustration, our fear sometimes gets the best of us. This is why we need a new heart. We're not going to have our minds changed until our desires are changed. And from our desires will come the way we think and how we think will determine how we act. That's why I always say belief informs behavior or behavior follows belief. What we believe first will then determine how we Live, And we see this even in this situation where the, where the McMichaels believed something about Ahmed Arbery, whether it was right or wrong, they believed it and they went and followed their, their desires, what they believed in their hearts. And it led to a terrible situation. Christians, we need not live this way. We need to be different. That's what God saves us for is to be different kinds of people in a world that, 
very often seems like it has lost its ever-loving mind. And we cannot be part of that madness of self-destruction. The road to destruction is a wide road. It's a wide path and many find it. Jesus tells us the narrow way is hard to find, but it leads to life. This is how we are to live our lives as, as peacemakers, those who want the truth, those who can be objective about the good and the evil in the world, knowing that God is the one who will judge justly. And so our compassion should go out to all the people involved in this situation. We should pray for the authorities who are responsible for this trial, uh, for those who were friends of the McMichaels as part of the justice system, and now they had to arrest their friends because they're being accused of murder. I mean, this is this is some serious stuff, and a lot of people are affected. We should reach out to them and, and love them by praying for them and asking for God's justice to reign and to rule in this time. Um, and pray for mercy if it if it doesn't. If, if justice is thwarted, if people abuse the system and the wrong person is in, imprisoned or are um, the, the, the the wrong situation is is, is or the, the right situation is judged wrongly, uh, we need to pray for God's mercy even in that. That's what our hearts and minds should be attuned to as those who have hearts changed by the power of the gospel. That's all for this episode. Thank you again for listening. You can keep up with Footnotable on social media through the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts of First Baptist Church Baton Rouge. You can find all three at username FBCBR or on our website at FBCBR.com. If you want to connect with Orrin and myself on social media, our individual information is listed in the show notes. Know that our prayers are with you. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you again next week.